Hello and welcome to Pressing Matters, a fly-on-the-wall style podcast about WordPress, business and life. Your hosts are Ian. Hello. And Jack. Hello. Ian's a plugin author and works for Delicious Brains, and Jack runs better notifications for WordPress and his web design agency. Let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pressing Matters, episode 16. Ian, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm really well, thank you, Jack. I'm um, yeah, just taking my son to school this morning. He's started reception, sort of the first big big year in the UK, I guess, of proper school. So now just yeah, getting on with some work. But no, I'm good. I'm, I'm refreshed after the summer holiday. When I say refreshed, I mean it's nice to get back into normal routine. But yeah. How about yourself? How's things? Yeah, similar actually. Um, my daughter started reception as well. Um, she's very young for her year, and uh, she was she was born in August. So yeah, she's kind of in amongst children that are nearly like a year older than her. But um, she's very excited, and you know she seems to be getting on just fine. And and we're very excited for her. So yes, that's all new and exciting. So yes, yeah, nice to be able to share that with you. Um, yeah. Um, other than that, yeah, it's very nice to get back into a routine. I've been talking about, you know, when my daughter's at school for like the last couple of weeks, it seems, because I know that that's like the point where I can kind of get stuck back into like some really juicy work again. Yeah. So um, it's actually, it's, qu- it's quite nice now. And, you know, and it, I, I think, you know, I, a lot of people, you know, don't mind ru- the lack of routine or anything. I love routine. And I know a lot of developers like a lot of routine and, and automation in their lives because it makes them, you know, very good at their jobs and that but uh, I'm really looking forward to having sort of s- specific amounts of time off um, in the form of uh, half terms and holidays throughout the year to help break up my year but also it gives me that very focused amount of time go well I know exactly when I'm going to have time off next as opposed to just kind of booking it ad hoc as I've I have done you know previously so um, yeah I think it's going to be uh, I think school is going to be a useful um, thing for me too as an adult Mm. I hadn't thought about it like that actually because I've been with the work that I do sort of contracting as as it were and, and when I need to take a holiday in the past we've decided to go away or whatever or take a week off I've just just taken it like I, I don't have a holiday kind of uh, a holiday limit or anything like that similar to you you know you take it where you want it but yeah when it comes to the school holidays now it's that's quite a good use of uh, the time to say well well enforce me to have a holiday to take time off work and therefore you know when it's coming around you can plan for it you can and it's not so sort of ad hoc and probably Mm -hmm. you know being self-employed we don't take as much holiday as we should um so that's probably going to be a good thing in the long run to make sure that we have time off with the family and do things and yeah not not burn out perhaps because you know the next half term's around the corner so yeah looking forward to that as well yeah now you framed it that way yeah yeah no you're quite right i'm sure uh, a lot of people self-employed people people work from another company but work remotely probably yeah don't take enough enough holiday um although how does it work with with you and delicious brain so they sort of enforce a certain amount of holiday or is it like unlimited holiday like a lot of companies are doing these days how does it how does it work i'm just interested i think it's a bit of a mix really There, there is an expectation that you should take holiday there is a kind of a minimum like there's always a uh, an amount that um as a company pe- people are expected to take off because you know you should go and relax you should spend time with family you should not burn out and we also take a period off over christmas of a couple of weeks where we basically shut down the company don't really do much 
you know there's a a, a mm-hmm. rotor of um, support over the non-specific holiday days but you know over that two-week period where people just go in check in on support there's auto replies set off in the help scout uh, mailboxes to say look the team's off it's christmas we're taking some time with family we will get back to you as soon as we can of course um mm-hmm. so there's that you know that that pressure that family approach over christmas where you know you're not coming in in between boxing christmas and boxing day or christmas and new year and um but yeah i mean uh, I, I wouldn't say it's unlimited i think it, it it's a case of you know taking time off when it's appropriate around projects and launches and you know you're not going to suddenly go take launch a new product and then take it three weeks off afterwards like that doesn't kind of make sense so just there's there's a flexibility there but there's a common sense procedure i think as well yeah absolutely that sounds good you've made, just made me uh put a uh, a new to do in my um to do app to look at doing automatic replies to my support as well because i don't have anything like that i just kind of you know say that when I'm off, you know, support might take an extra, a little bit longer, but there's no kind of link through to what time I'm taking off. So um, I have a like a public annual leave calendar that uh, I put in my email signature and, and is on my website kind of linked via text. So you can see sort of when I'm next off and I could link to that, like in the sports section saying these are the days that I've got off. Um, but actually tying that into some kind of automatic reply would be quite cool. So I'm mm. going to investigate that. Yeah, we do. We have a holiday replies but, um, on, but actually, out of interest, do you have a general auto reply? So not you know outside of holidays, but normal, um, a normal reply to somebody who emails about better notifications for WordPress wants some plugin support. Do they get an auto reply to say we've received it? Uh, I'll get to it as soon as like you know whatever your usual SLA is or for getting back to people. Do, or does it just is there no auto reply? Like have you set anything up? Yeah, there is an auto reply, um, mainly just to, I find it as a good like user experience thing to let them know that their message has actually been submitted and received. Um, mm. So yeah, I have that, but I suppose I could put some information in there as well. Um, yeah, I do put some information on the on the site, but I'll, I'll have a little review of that email. I've actually been reviewing a couple of the emails that's gone out. For example, um, you know, when I my PayPal account was closed a couple of years ago, mm. I had to put in a, a bit about if your payment fails because, you know, you paid with PayPal originally, then this is what you'll need to do. But that period actually of, of like the year where that might have happened ended back in February. And it suddenly occurred to me a couple of days ago, I haven't changed those emails, which is okay. really dropping the ball on my part, you know. So I yeah. thought I better have a look at all of that and um you know change those those emails and just kind of yeah just make sure that they're in line with everything i'm saying at the moment and uh, i changed the name of the plugin recently from better notifications for wordpress to better notifications for wp um and that's all now complete on the site but i think the emails were kind of lacking so i've just went through and checked them all but yeah i'll go through and check my priority support um emails that are sent out and yeah just kind of check on those but yeah good good idea yeah, I'm kind of just wondering from my own point of view as well. Do, is it a good idea to have those auto replies? Because then you can also link to docs, like getting started docs, typical um, help docs that people might come across issues. And then, you know, I don't want to go down the road of, you know, when you you go to a plugin or a website and you want support and they force you to look through these documentation links that blatantly don't answer your question and you then have to do another couple of clicks to finally submit a contact form with your real issue 
I don't want to go down that road of doing mm-hmm. that up front, but maybe after the the fact might be quite helpful for them to, I don't know, like know that there is documentation out there. Um, but yeah, that's by the by, I guess. It's funny you should say that actually. Um, just just quickly before we move on, because I implemented something similar uh, this week, and it was only because I had two priority support messages which weren't related to an add-on, but they were related to the free core plugin. Now, normally I sort of redirect them through to the uh, free support forums because I'm like, well, this isn't actually an issue with something that you've bought. It doesn't give you access to the priority support. It just kind of, your issue, you, you have access to it, but the issue is actually related to the core plugin. So it's beneficial for everybody that if mm-hmm. you've got a problem, put it on the free support forums and then everyone can see it and we can kind of go through it together. That's the way I kind of see it. It's not a making it difficult for people to go here, there, and everywhere. It's actually just so it's more open, you know, and, and easy to find that it's, information. It's in the right context. But I've sort well. of taken yeah. a different... Yeah, exactly. But I've taken a bit of a different view to it lately in that I just kind of think asking paid customers to keep, you know, running around in loops sometimes can be frustrating. So I've taken a bit of a relaxed view on that lately. So anyway, I, I had two messages through on Priority Support that were all about... Um, front-end form posting and you know sending notifications and usually you have to do a little bit of like work dropping a line or two in your functions.php file to kind of get that working if it doesn't work natively and some plugins do and some plugins don't that you know use front-end forms um, and I just thought you know what if you'd search through the documentation you would have found this really 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 easily I've got several posts about this and it's all listed on the sidebar of the documentation page so what I've done now is I've just separated the priority support page up into two sections step one is to search for your problem and I've got a little live search thing I'm using the search WP live Ajax search plugin which is a free plugin but it integrates with search WP uh, mm-hmm. plugin if you've got it installed which I do um, so it's a little live search thing now so then if you type in front end form a front end form post appears like the title of it straight away so that should kind of knock those out the park but I'm not giving them a list of links I'm just allowing them to search for their problem if they haven't already so I'm giving them like the last opportunity to look at documentation and step two is like no that didn't solve my problem open a new support ticket so um, I'm hoping that will help you know reduce the amount of unneeded support messages that I receive but we'll see we'll see it's just funny that you mentioned that yeah cool so what else is going on Uh, have you updated your sites to WordPress 5.2.3 or has auto updates yeah. done it for you? Yeah, I came in and it's like, yeah, <laughs> loads of messages. Uh updated all your sites, like twenty odd emails all saying the same thing. Um so that's good. That was that was good. Um it was I, I assume uh, it's just security. I sort of fixes, looked at it briefly, it? you know. Yeah. Yeah, security fixes and, you know, general sort of bug fixes and things and that's okay. I just kind of install those without much thought thought really just because most of the time they don't really break anything mm. um and they're, and they're good to do so yeah so that's all done um not a massive amount to say there really i i saw that um the chap's been chosen for writing the 2020 theme for 5.3 um and i'll be interested to see what that entails just because the 2019 theme it almost felt like a, a bit of a, a um, what's the word? Almost like a transition theme between the classic editor and the block editor. And there are lots of styles in the back end for like block editor and all that sort of stuff, but it doesn't feel like it's a full native block editor kind of theme. So I'm looking to see, looking forward to see what 2020 does um, and, and how it's, you know, obviously going to be pure block editor stuff. And, uh, and it makes you think like in a few years time, we might have one that's just pure JavaScript 
like mm-hmm. you know the 2025 theme or something like that might be a pure javascript theme that uses the wp api and um you know all front end posting and blocks and everything like that and it's kind of completely like disengaged from the wp admin altogether i don't know mm. just just a theory i'd be interested to see how, where it goes you know yeah i mean a couple of things there like the yeah the guy you're talking about anders anders noren i think it's pronunciation That's the one. yeah it is exciting because it from the sounds of it he's his chaplain theme is um is block ready and very much integrated with the block editor and looks pretty good. So, yeah, I think that'll be a a good uh, move forward for the WordPress default themes to be, um, dare I say, it, better looking and more integrated with with the block editor. Um, and the second thing I guess you're saying mm-hmm. about is that, you know 2025, it's the whole headless WordPress. Um, and this, uh, have you been yes headless? That's sort of- the word I was looking for. Yeah, have you been following the sort of the Gatsby JS stuff that seems to be like the, you know, the flavor of the month at the moment with the WordPress community and people building? Um, I, I Pete wrote about it on our blog, but I, I haven't really delved into it enough to kind of to get why it's you know why Gatsby should be the thing to learn or what's it used for. I mean, it's just, Gatsby's a static site generator, but effectively building it off. A WordPress backend that clients will still have access to, and you know, but then it just pumps out a load of static HTML um, whenever things are changed, I guess. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's something I need to dive into. But yeah, um, no, it's interesting. Yeah, I've seen a number of things Gatsby related pop up on my Twitter the last week. Um, I haven't really paid much attention to it. Um, I te- I don't really pay much attention to static site generators like Statomic or anything like that mm. um, either. Actually, in fact, there was a uh, a post that I've uh, saved into my pocket to read for later about moving from WordPress to Statomic. Um, I've mostly stayed away from that kind of thing because my concern is is that if I start looking at static page generators or other things i might want to transition away from uh like wordpress in some area and i and i don't at heart i don't want to do that but the developer in me that wants to try new things and do you know other stuff uh thinks you could get involved with all these other things and get excited by um the shiny so i'm yeah. so i'm i've purposefully ignored it for my own sanity really i think um, i i know yeah what no article, i'd be interested to have a look yeah the article you mean is the is curtis McHale talking about why he's moved from WordPress to Gatsby yeah Yeah. and and I think you know if you're if you're digging into stuff from a development point of view and you're setting up your own site using the new shiny then that's all well and good but it's again it's what we always talk about it's the difference between you know being involved and get excited about the new shiny thing but then you know you've just got to pay the bills with the client work and the clients love WordPress and WordPress works well for clients. So you're not going to suddenly um, dive into Gatsby, rewrite all of your client sites in this. The same thing as when Gutenberg came out. You're not going to suddenly change everything that you've already got just for the sake of, um, you know, because you're excited about it, because it's probably good. Probably it will be the future. But you can't just change the legacy mm. stuff and your your client services work has to run a very low um late adoption like level you, you know like as a as a developer working on your own site or just trying out new things you can be an early adopter of things if you've got the time mm. but you you can't transfer that yeah. to client work 
Um, so no wonder, like, people are just like, oh, whatever. This is the new thing. I can't, I can't keep up with it, and and probably, um, they probably like you who are purposefully ignoring things because it will just be a distraction. Yeah. It, yeah, exactly. Um, you're quite right. I think, yeah, what your clients need and what you want to do as like for personal development are two very different things. And I think that's probably the biggest uh, thing that holds you back from, or WordPress rather, from, you know, the block editor and, and other new things that they integrate from, you know, becoming more widely adopted a lot of the time. It's just... Um, they don't understand you know i mean like i've just worked i finished all these nine sites that i was doing for this one client uh, back in august early august and you know you talk to them moving from one system to another and the other system uh, the system they're moving to is wordpress and all of them all the editors and say you say okay this is a new system it's different to what you're using at the moment um it's based on wordpress oh we know wordpress that's fine and lots of people I speak to, even even if um, they're brand new clients, they're new to websites, they might have used a website in the past that uses WordPress or contributed to a website that uses WordPress. And so to suddenly say, this is WordPress, they're like, no, it's not. This is all, I don't need to log in anymore and I go to a different page when I'm writing something and, you know, WordPress has got like this black bar down the side and it's all grey and white and black. And, you know, they don't, mm. I don't think they see that, uh, they, they don't understand it enough yet. Uh, you have to be on the, I think it's it's technologies running their own websites that are on more of the cutting edge of what WordPress is capable of that are going to be more interested in a headless WordPress and all that sort of stuff. It it will get there though, you know, for the for the benefit of like speed and the web. And it might be that something, some external factor triggers, um, you, you know, word uh, people to start developing in a different way. Like you know, when Google made um, page speed a uh, a metric in there. Um, you know, their site ranking. So if your site was faster than others, then mm. it would be higher up the list. And all of a sudden, you know, things like static site generators, you know, like integrating WordPress and Gatsby might become more of a thing. But for now, it's kind of, yeah, I think everyone's kind of plodding along. And, and you know, adoption rate for the block editor, I'm sure, is picking up. You know, we've been into it for quite a few months now. So, yeah, be interested to see what happens. I'm always interested to see what happens. Mm. Yeah, and, and I guess another interesting thing that's come out recently is the acquisition of Tumblr by Automatic. Yes. I'm not going to say WordPress by Absolutely. Automatic. Yeah, which is, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it kind of, it, it it seems like it's not a crazy thing. It seems like, you know, obviously they've got it for, for a very good price from the sounds of it from Verizon who weren't going to do anything about it. Um or weren't going to do anything with it. And I think you were saying earlier, Matt Mullenweg seems to, what do you, like he seems to have been a fan of that kind of Tumblr f approach to the, the blogging kind of the formats and stuff. Yeah. From, from memory, I seem to remember him saying that, you know, it's really nice. You've got these, like these post formats very, I mean, I've never really used Tumblr. I've, you know, been on Tumblr sites, but you've got this very easy, like post format where you click like, you know, it's a new post where it's like a, an image or a video or whatever. And then it kind of gives you this kind of limited view of things. Um, not limited view. That's not what I mean. Like a, a more, um, oh, what's the word? Like a more, 
optimized for you, I suppose. So it's like, you know, you click video and it says, you know, what kind of video do you want to input? You know, that kind of thing. So I think, I yeah, I can see the simplicity in that. I can see the, the kind of the beauty in that. And um, it reminds me of lots of little bits of WordPress that have been integrated recently. And um, I say recently in, in the last few years and things that Matt has said, like, you know, distraction-free writing and the block editor and how it's trying to be that very simplistic kind of thing. So it feels very natural to me that tumblr was acquired by uh, automatic it is a shame that you know um they haven't done more with it other than i think they i don't know if they did do it or not but they were trying to put a stop to like well tumblr was sort of rife with all all things um NSFW, pornography wasn't it really yeah pornography let's just say the word pornography yeah. um and uh they were trying to put a stop to that i don't know if they ever conti- you know saw that through or not do you uh, yeah i think tumblr that w- that happened a few months back or months back where um yeah the adult content ban was put in place and from the sounds of it the you know the acquisition that will continue um although right yeah uh, and because i i remember seeing the story kind of breaking and i was on the post status slack channel and matt jumped on there and people were asking him loads of questions about the acquisition and I, i'm not sure if i saw it in the post status um blog post about it but it was funny that the only other or it was reported that a serious um, potential buyer um, for it was Pornhub. Um, they were looking to buy right. them <laughs> and, and obviously, presumably, reverse the adult content ban and, and kind of turn it into, I don't know, d- democ- democratizing porn blogging for the web. But um, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, it's it's definitely it's an interesting idea, though, isn't it? It's that's I don't know if that's been done before or not, but that's that's a really interesting idea. I don't know what would happen to all the other people that aren't writing pornography on mm. Tumblr. I suppose yeah. it. I mean, it it makes you wonder, though. You know, we're talking about that, and that seems to be the thing that Tumblr, from what I understand, anyway, the same, one of the things one of the things that Tumblr is known for is um, well for uh, photos in general i know a lot of people that have like photo blogs on tumblr and pornography so if those are like the two things that you've got and you've wiped out one of them i just i'm i don't know i don't know enough about tumblr really i'd just be speculating really from my very limited uh kind of browsing of tumblr or looking at tumblr sites but yeah yeah it's it's funny that if you think you know if you just associate pornography and tumblr then maybe that what was it pornhub was would have been a good thing to use good thing to do but to buy it, yeah. i mean you know i suppose verizon you know they don't really care they obviously didn't care about tumblr i mean it, yeah i like a lot of these things i suppose you know yahoo they bought something that's been yeah you know declining years for years and years and years you know various things and they probably bought it for the rights to something else you know maybe something behind the scenes a certain technology or or something i don't know enough about that well either, yeah but, and and cynically know. it's just a it's a grab of market share isn't it and it's it's to add to that kind mm. of WordPress as a whole has, you know, X percent of the web. But yeah, it'd be interesting yeah, to see true. what happens with it, if anything, if it just is is an asset to keep going. But yeah, a lot. Yeah, sure. but yeah, the so the roadmap for Tumblr then is move the infrastructure off of Verizon, uh, support the same APIs. I'm reading this off of WP Tavern. Uh, support the same APIs on both WP.com and Tumblr. Switch the backend to be WP. And then open source tumblr.com client similar to Calypso. Okay. 
So yeah, I haven't used Calypso actually all that much. I was interested in it when it came out and everything, for mainly for the notifications part, mm. as you can imagine. But uh, I haven't heard an awful lot about it since. No, I've, I don't think I remember touching it at the time. No, um, but yeah, no. So there's yes, yeah, some interesting, interesting things going on in kind of the word WordPress world as well. Um, it's yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. I don't, I, I'll be interested to see what happens with Tumblr and like, like, w- will it get WooCommerce? Is that saved to WordPress.com? You know, where where are the where's that separation going to occur? Because. I'm, yeah. I'm not quite sure on how that all work, but I'm sure that will all come out at some point. I guess It'll any platform can be monetized in that way. Like, I, I read that in the the post status blog post about saying, you know, e-commerce could be brought to Tumblr. And initially, I was thinking, really, that just seems apples and pears. It doesn't seem the right kind of place for that. But then, you know, you've got Instagram where people swipe up to to go to purchase links of things. It's everything is product. Everything is like a a place a placement for products. So Tumblr it, it can be just used in the same way. But yeah, whether or not that's WooCommerce, that's a very interesting question. Um yeah, mm. it's funny. It's funny you should mention about Instagram actually because I haven't found you're quite right. Everyone's moving towards this kind of um trying to make things more productized or advertising, you know, for products on place like Instagram or Facebook or whatever it might be. But I've never seen anyone do it right yet. Mm. You know, like the the seamless experience would be to, you know, have something like swipe up on Instagram, be able to buy it from Instagram, Instagram take a cut, and it's all kind of fulfilled through, you know, the person you bought it through or something. But there's always this, have to go off to another site. And, and half these things, half the sponsored stuff that I get on Instagram all looks spammy anyway. So to have, to be able to buy something through Instagram because they vetted that ad would you know mean you'd probably buy it over not buying it mm. but um yeah i i don't know anyway that's a side i know I, matters. yeah I think um there's enough people buying the rubbish off instagram any but yeah yeah maybe. this episode is sponsored by better notifications for wp a simple but powerful plugin that allows you to customize the email notifications that wordpress sends using a WYSIWYG editor and shortcodes All of the default WordPress email notifications are available for you to customize, as well as lots of new and useful ones. Find out more at betternotificationsforwp.com. Yeah, um, Yeah, what else is going on? Have you listened to any other... Oh, sorry. You go. Sorry. No, I was just just going to ask if you had listened to any podcasts recently. Any any other podcasts, different podcasts? No, my podcast listening has plummeted due to the fact I've not been having to do the school run or the preschool run in in the summer holidays. So um, I expect mm. it to be kind of um, revitalized now. I'll either be doing you know a pickup or a drop off. But what about yourself? Have you mm. heard? Have you been listening to anything? Um, a little. Uh, Keith Devon, who we had on the the show a couple of episodes ago i've been listening to his wp pricing podcast is he uh, the three one jonathan ep- start was absolutely excellent is that he's three episodes in is it two episodes is yeah. two part of jonathan stork is that right that's right yeah i've got to listen to the latest one i haven't listened i haven't started that one yet but i've been doing that and that's that was good a lot of value in that mm-hmm. um and uh the matt report i've been listening to that for years and years and been listening to matt's story of you know it's like his origin story you know but what how he got started and everything and um it was it's interesting it's it's always interesting to listen to other people's origin stories i think it's it's funny 
because I've written a little bit about like how I got started with like my plugin or my business or websites in general and all that sort of thing. And I always feel like, does anybody really care mm. what I did or how I did it? But actually, I think people are interested. Um, you know, well, I certainly am interested, especially other people, you know. So, um, yeah, it was, it was nice to listen to. And there's, he's got something about Keith's podcast on the next episode, which I've got yet to start. Um, yeah, yeah I've got a few few to listen to. but I think Keith's podcast, there's an episode of Keith's podcast sort of as a Matt Report episode. So it's like a, a, a featured episode, I guess, which I think will... Okay. I'm not entirely sure how it's working, but I'm sure that's good for Keith in terms of just starting the podcast and getting that um, exposure because the Matt Report's quite well known and quite um, uh, probably got quite a big listener base. But I, I, I totally get what you yeah. mean. I like reading, I love reading um, either sort of blog posts about how people get started or like their year in reviews. I love reading those because yeah. I Absolutely. just think you, you kind of you do empathize with people you you see the similarities in what you're doing you're either learning things or you know taking heart from when you hear people aren't exactly doing that well or have problems because you know we all struggle with some things um and also you kind of feel a little bit um when you you because we we talked about this the other day the the pippins plugins uh 2018 review seeing some of the numbers the revenue numbers for his products and his plugins and his sort of um, businesses are just phenomenal and it's aspirational isn't it you think god you know what it is possible to do these things it is possible to to make ten thousand dollars a month or plus or whatever and like it's mm-hmm. you've got to believe in those goals to succeed in those goals i think that's what I'm, I'm coming around to sort of thinking um more and more so yeah it's nice to see failures but it's also nice to see successes because it, it gives you that that hope and um drive to to do similar yeah absolutely yeah and i thought i really liked actually just on pippin's year in review thing is that he mentions about the difficulty he found in being able to position himself you know by taking a step back out of the business you know he's got like this business that kind of runs itself with the right people and all that sort of stuff and he doesn't have to be in the daily workings anymore and he actually found it difficult to adapt to doing something else you know and I thought that was really interesting to see this problem that's you know Mm. at that point you know um and he you know essentially I think the thing that gave him a lot of stuff to do was starting his brewery and moving his house and he's got like you know a lot of land and everything Uh, now and stuff and um the brewery thing was really interesting because I've always wanted to do something more um like physical uh and less like screen based um but somehow have the two kind of um united uh, the classic one that me and my wife always talk about although you know i don't think we'll ever actually do it is um maybe one day when we're sort of i don't know in retirement or nearing retirement it's like run a and b or something mm. like that i knew you were going to say that just to do something completely different i don't know why really yeah well it's- it means you can sort of buy a place in a nice area of the country or the world you can have, you know, orders come in via your website and that kind of thing. And actually, there's a few things you need to do. But it's one of those things you could probably either do yourself if you really want to get stuck in, like, you know, clean the rooms and do your breakfast and all that sort of stuff. Or you can get other people to do it for you and just kind of enjoy also living there and have mm. the bustle of people coming in and out, that kind of thing, and just doing something different. It's a physical um, lifestyle so yeah, business. It was that, that kind of it? marriage of... yeah. 
Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. But it's that marriage of like technology that kind of runs it and the physical side of kind of being somewhere and not having to look at a screen, that kind of thing. And I and when I read about his brewery thing, I sort of felt similarly. And and I imagine that he probably likes the technology side of um, you know, the the runnings of the brewery, like the computer automation of all these things, you know, and uh if if that's what he's doing, you've got to have a certain amount of it, I'm sure, these days. Um and actually you know, going up to a tap and turning it and getting a beer, you know, mm. that kind of thing, and having people come in and all that sort of stuff. So I thought it was quite cool. It's, uh, yeah, it's and nice. I guess it's, he can nice apply the e-commerce side of things if he's selling locally or he's got a website or whatever to for people to order. Um, he, he can apply his digital skills to that. And, yeah, like you say, it's, a, it's the marriage of the technology as well as the, the physical yeah, yeah. I, part I wonder me. as well how that um, relates to um, you know, like phys- people buying things physically, and people buying things virtually. I wonder if one helps the other. Like your view on, I don't know, how you price things, like an EDD extension versus pricing a beer. I wonder if you know just those mm. those little the nuances of sales, phys- physical sales. Uh, I wonder if that influences the digital ones. Yeah, and perhaps obviously don't know. You know, physical sales. There's a much longer history of pricing things like that so perhaps it's easier to do i don't know it part of me struck mm, like yeah. this this might be controversial but it strikes me that um i see this a lot where people are their full-time jobs are digital you know that they're, they're in that world for years and years like like the pippin story and then you kind of get a bit jaded by it and obviously that that's part of his story where he's almost hired himself out of his company because he doesn't have a role anymore and he was you know he doesn't know what his place in his company is apart from obviously being the overall ceo and you know business owner and, and therefore yearns for something else and that then turns to the physical because he's so not sick of the, the digital but you know it's the grass is always greener aspect to something else and mm-hmm. i whether i like i i wonder if that's the same for a lot of people because you know back when i guess the internet was not really a, a thriving place for people to make money um and people were having to go to you know either physical jobs or or going to the office to do things and and now we've got this ability to to you know wake up in the morning and see that we've had products that have been purchased digitally and we've earned money while we're asleep or earned money while we're on the beach or on holiday or whatever like mm-hmm. that was that's been such a great thing and back when we didn't have that we probably people probably yearned for that kind of passive income or that ability to work from home work from anywhere you know and now it's going to go the other way and is that just a case of people just get sick of doing what they're doing whatever that is and therefore yearn for something else like are we are we not happy doing digital yeah. stuff like i i personally maybe this is just the place i am in my sort of journey but like i don't think i'm ready to to not ready but I, i'm not sitting here going oh do you know what i want a physical shop or i want to like i'm happy doing digital stuff uh, and i'd be happy doing digital stuff in retirement kind of thing because it doesn't mm. it means it's you know 70 year old me can just sit down with a laptop or you know whatever technological advancements have happened in the next sort of 40 years but yeah i, I don't know is it a case of just people's personalities don't stick with the same thing for a long time and i'm not accusing you of that or accusing anyone but do you know what i mean like is it just a case of the grass is the grass seems greener whatever we're doing in life 
I don't know. I feel, I feel like we've gone deep, or I've gone. I've taken it deep here. Yeah, it's got quite philosophical. Um, yeah, no, I understand what you mean. Um, I, I don't, I don't long for anything physical. I love working on a computer. I do, um, and I always have done. And I can't really imagine being in a situation where I wouldn't use one for more than a few days, whether it be phone or iPad or laptop or whatever it might be. Mm. Um, unless I was purposefully trying to do that, but I think. I'm curious, actually. Did you um, did you like grow up like around computers? Did you have computers at home? Did you have like a family computer? Did you play games on your computer growing up and stuff like that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we had. Um, I remember doing stuff on a BBC at school, like in middle school, using like Turtle and whatever you know, contr- logo even, doing that kind of controlling of the Turtle. And we had mm-hmm. we had um, Amstrad. We we had, you know, tape decks connecting with games and playing stuff on computers quite early on. I remember my parents buying one. Um, and then we, you know, had a Pentium back in whatever, 1990, whatever. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've always used it and always seem to have used it at school. Um, mm. Yeah, I'd, I can't imagine um, not having it because you know, when I remember graduating and going into the workplace and there was people who... I worked with who were, you know, 10 years older than me or even older. And this was their first real kind of having to use computers day in, day out. And mm. it's what a, what, a cha- what a difference. And then now the people who are like, like our children will, gr- like my, my two-year-old or almost two-year-old is touching the telly. She's touching everything because everything is a yeah. touchscreen. Like the difference there, like yeah. there will never be that kind of same rift in technology or p- a, maybe a, a spectrum of, you know, there'll be children who remember CDs and then there'll be people who never know that that kind of stuff. But yeah, hey, uh, mm. is, that, is that something you think uh, you attribute that to sort of a digital career that, that being brought up with it? Yeah, I do. I'm interested to if you got if you were to give a, a computer to someone now that never really used a computer before, would they find the same amount of joy out of using one and making it work for you and making you making it making something on it that would make you money via the internet, like you know we do with our plugins or whatever? Mm. Would they be able to do that? Would they get the same enjoyment out of that? Would they be able to? Uh, achieve those same things or is it something that you really have to grow up with to to find that because i think that we're not the first generation necessarily to have you know uh computers in the home you know uh, the you know when they it was like the um sinclair zx spectrum was 99 pounds so it made it available to everyone um to the point where and it had loads and loads of games. So kids, you know, in the 80s and stuff grew up playing games um, on their ZX Spectrum and then programming games for their ZX Spectrum and the next wave of computers and all that sort of stuff. So I'm interested to know whether it is something that you can have. It, it's something that you you have to grow up with in order mm. to to use fully or whether it's something that you can acquire later on i I, I just don't know i'd be so interested to know what our children do and how they do it yeah i don't think it's necessarily a growing up thing with it like it you know 
it, I, I believe it's more to do with um, how you how you view what a computer can give you or what programming can give you or what knowing how to operate a computer give you can give you and if like if you can see it as a benefit so for example when i first started working after uni i was temping at a bank and it was there was a lot of i was in i wasn't in sort of the retail banking side of things i was in the hr department but there was a lot of um, processes that were revolved around writing things down on paper you know taking phone calls writing down things on paper and then processing them in the computer later and you can imagine the kind of the error rate of people typing things badly in after you know two hours after writing something down and or not writing it down properly or whatever and i just remember thinking this is absolutely bonkers why are we not like taking a phone call and then entering it straight onto the computer and using like drop downs in an excel spreadsheet or whatever and i ended up just mm. learning how to make the computer and excel and vba and access and all this sort of stuff back in the back in the early 2000s do what i wanted it to do and i think if you've mm. kind of got that approach or you you think well do you know what this computer can do what we tell it to do and mm. like not just use it and see it at face value of well this is all it can do or this is what it's there for then you've kind of got that it you don't have to have grown up with computers like you could be just you just see the potential of what you can make it do to make your life easier perhaps um yeah yeah or or to solve your own problem but but then yeah uh, yeah no, it's it, funny i watched a video about linus torvald saying the same thing is that we've got this box and we can tell it what to do and it does stuff for us and yeah, I don't think people really appreciate that. I think sometimes they see it as a thing that works against them. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. That. And, and that is generational. It can, be. Definitely. it can be that. Yeah, that is generational. I think mm. my parents and other people I've worked with in the past have fought with it and they think, oh God, I've got to do you know this or this and it's not making it very easy for me. But actually it's completely the opposite. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah, so a little window into my origin story, Jack. That's the only reason I got into an IT role is just through advanced Excel which is just so weird to think that <laughs> to think that Excel, like the program, has just yeah sparked, you know, stopped me from a career in HR department in in a bank. <laughs> Bizarre. Yeah, it's quite funny. I I mean, I use spreadsheets for like financial stuff and like I mean like offline spreadsheet using numbers on my Mac for that kind of thing. Mm. And um, it's amazing how many times I'm butting my head against the wall because it's like you can't use a like a group of values uh, as a single value or something like that. And I'm like, but why? Mm. You know, you, I'd be able to do this in PHP in a couple of minutes, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. It's, but yeah, trying to put together a formula in Excel is, uh, can thwart me. I suppose, oh. yeah, I'm the perfect example there of, um, of what I just said that, you know, sometimes it does work against you. Mm. Depends. Yeah. I love it. Um, I love a good yeah. Excel formula. Me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. We'll have a whole episode about uh, Ian's love for Excel formulas. Oh yeah, VBA. I mean, your, oh, that was taking your favourite formula. Yeah. Oh, it's definitely um, count if. That's my favourite formula. Or sum if. Count if. Yeah. Conditional summing. Oh, brilliant. Pivot tables, Jack. You haven't lived until you've made a pivot table. 
I'll have to take your word for that there, Ian. <laughs> yeah. I think that's where my, yeah, like numbers probably is not as good as even Google. Google Sheets is almost on a par with Excel, but I'm not sure how numbers fares. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's okay. The problem is with numbers is actually if you've got a problem and you know it's not an Excel problem because you've like, you've looked up the formula or the issue that you're having. Uh, like you've googled it I mean and uh, you try to find the thing and it's like oh that's not how this works in numbers so then you've got to put numbers but numbers is such a generic term that you have to put numbers app all the time it's just such a waste of my life it just really is and I could just use excel but numbers is in my experience much faster than excel Mm. and I I just I I prefer apple's version of it actually but there we go um I'd like to actually quickly move on to something else, talking about faster and stuff, is um, Ben Jawbanks, who was the, um, I hope it's Jawbanks, Gilbanks, uh, was the first um, uh, interviewee on uh, Keith Evans' podcast, and uh, he's Binary Moon, a lot of people know him as Binary Moon, he's written a uh, plugin called Toolbelt, which is meant to be a faster, more modular version of Jetpack, which I thought was really fascinating, because I've run up against jetpack not right up against it but i've i've come across jetpack jetpack again a few times this week i've been working on a couple of woocommerce sites and uh it's it just plows notices into the wp admin uh, at, at no end mm. and as soon as you close one it's like oh and then you move to another screen it's like oh hey you know do you want to enable red crumbs because it's a custom or something you know like and it's and then you go to another screen saying there's some kind of integration for this thing and it's like go away <laughs> just mm. just let me get on with it if i want to configure jetpack i'll go in and configure jetpack but anyway toolbelt seems to be more of a a fast version of it and it looks really good and next time i have to do anything um that kind of extends a website into a very small area i will have a look um features are uh seems to be add-ons are breadcrumbs cookie banner lazy loading optimization portfolio related post social sharing, social menu, featured attachments, responsive videos, and random redirection. So that little things, little bits of functionality that would be common amongst most websites, which I guess is the point of Jetpack, but done in a faster way. So I'm going to have a a Mm. check that out. And I'm surprised he hasn't got more active installs or downloads, actually, after being on a WP Tavern article. But um, yeah, I'll I'll check it out. It's worth... And uh, the other thing as well, it's, you know... It's a reaction to, to Jetpack's bloat, but it's also a reaction to Jetpack's kind of yeah. privacy, you know, because it's it's heavy on the upsell because it's an automatic product. So they're trying to get you to use it, get you to buy the extended features, whatever, Vault Press and all the stuff that it does. So it's it's heavy, yeah. anti, it, it, it's got a privacy slant to it. So yeah, just reading it now, it doesn't, it doesn't phone out to anything. It doesn't share your data with anyone. It doesn't use the... Yeah, it doesn't track your usage. Yeah, no, it looks good. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and it, it does look good. Yeah, and and actually, just something I want to bring up about um, we had Igor Benek on Benich, sorry, on um, podcast for a couple of weeks ago as well, uh, a couple of episodes ago, and his uh, plugin, and uh, he's updated it actually recently, and he's got things like uh, recurring. Uh, is that right? Recurring payments. You can enable, you can, but someone can buy multiple packages now in one go. In one go, um, so that's good. So, and I think recurring payments and things like that are going to come in for single packages at, at some point. But it look, it 
it's uh, it's looking good, and it's a just from when he initially got in touch to where it is now is is a huge improvement. I really recommend checking that out. It, it looks really good. Mm. Nice. Well, I think it's probably a good time to wrap it up, and uh, yeah, really good talking to you, Jack. I think we've covered some topical things, so hopefully we'll. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, it's worth mentioning. I think we're sort of on the lookout for another uh, person to have on the show to have a chat to as well. So if you or uh, anyone, um, or if you know anyone or yourself wants to get in touch and have a chat with us, um, then you know, be interested to to do that. It'd be nice to have some more people, especially into the new year, you know, in twenty twenty, uh, have some more people on the show and have a chat with them. It just adds a bit of variety. There's only so many things that Ian and I. Um, can talk about without boring everybody so it'd be quite nice to have have somebody yeah else to to have a chat to i think we've got some good topics to chat about sort of lined up but they're just we're just not ready to to have those conversations yet so getting a couple of people on to to sort of to speak to would be good i'd quite like to talk to another plug-in owner um Mm -hmm. and, and sort of chew the fat with them a little bit i mean obviously we spoke to elliot condon from acf you know, if uh, WordPress plugins were were um, put in like a football league type thing, ACF would be a Man City, and I think we'd probably be like a Fleetwood Town or something. So it would be nice to speak to somebody that, um, you know, maybe is just starting out or um, I don't know. I'm trying to find the nicest way of saying it without offending everybody, but like, you know. It, not speaking to somebody who has got like a WooCommerce level plugin, but just somebody that's making, you know, a, a chunk of change each month and it helps them with their income. But, um, you know, similar to Jack and I, and, and it'd be good to talk talk about, um, you know, development and business and, and marketing and things like that. So if that's you, then please let us know. And if you want to come talk. Sorry, Jack. Yeah. Fleetwood Town is probably a bit harsh. About football. No, yeah, it's a bit. We're, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I don't know who Fleetwood. Ta- I thought you were going to say Fleetwood Mac. No. Oh, can we do some outro music? Like, Manchester United and Fleetwood Mac. I don't understand what you're talking about. I don't. I don't get it. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, yeah. Well. Yeah. That's that's about it then, right? So we will come back in a couple of weeks, hopefully. And yeah, good talking to you, Jack. Yeah, and you, Ian. Thanks very much. Nice to nice to chat with you again. And uh, hope school continues to go well for your yes. son. Yeah, same for Lydia. Nice. Cool. Right. Bye. Bye.